everybody. Welcome to another episode of Alicia Shanice Reviews. I am your host. It's your girl Shanice coming back at you with another podcast. We are on episode 179 today. And today's topic is the new three-part limited docuseries, Supreme Team. Based off the infamous, notorious Supreme Team from Southside Jamaica, Queens, this documentary, uh, it takes death, you know, a, a death look into the Notorious Queens, New York gang and tells the real story from the mouths of, you know, Kingdom Supreme and Prince, which I really appreciated because we always heard their story third party. And, you know, everybody who was either affiliated or around that time or like, you know, Irv Gotti or Ja Rule or people in the industry telling stories of Prime and Prince, and I've read multiple books on them. So it felt good to hear their words. A lot of this information that was in the docuseries I had already knew, but it was some interesting details in there that I was not aware of. And it just felt good to watch a documentary produced by Nas, who is from Queens. LL Cool J was in there and, you know, hear it coming out of their own mouths from this um, Ken of Supreme and <clears throat> Gerald Prince. So it felt really good to do that. Um, so we about to get into it, break it down, dissect it like we do over here on this platform. And, um, I will be off for probably about another week after that. When I come back, we're going to do another music talk show and we're going to continue with our mafia marathon until the power universe returns. So next up on that, um, mafia list, we got casino and bugsy so that's coming up and that'll be out in about a week because i'm about to go out of town so i won't get that in for about another week but your girl got y'all i already did um fair city new york Western mafia the documentary we did goodfellas donnie brosco uh the Gotti movie from 1996 so those are uploaded if you guys want to check those out but we about to jump into the show. As always, if you need to hit me up, Alicia Shanice's Facebook, Alicia Shanice Reviews for Instagram, email Alicia Shanice Reviews 13 at gmail.com. You can always inbox, DM, or email me for any requests you might have that you would like for me to recap. That could be a TV show. That could be a documentary. That could be a movie. Hit me up. I'll check your request out and get it out within a week. Or you can just hit your girl up and say, what's up? That's always cool, too. Um, and don't forget about those fire-ass playlists I got on Spotify. Check those out. If you go on Spotify, it's free. Just put in Shanice Loves, and you can check out all of my music playlists. I have every genre. Because, your yeah, girl, I got some long gears, okay? So on that note, let's get into the show, and let's talk some Supreme Team.
All right, y'all, let's talk about it. And before we jump all the way in, I want to say shout out to Jamil from Gully TV. I watched his live before I did my recap the other day, before I even watched it, because I was so excited. I had been waiting on this documentary to pop out. And, you know, he's like the GOAT in this genre to me. Like, he's interviewed the the most notorious hustlers from that era. Um, he's was the first person to ever interview Haitian Jack, and he did the Haitian Jack interview, uh, interview, and he did a documentary as well. So make sure you guys cop his book. It has all that intel in there. It's called Some Things I've Been Through. You can cop that off of Amazon. But shout out to Jamil. I was watching his uh, feedback on this uh, docuseries. He wasn't really too pleased with it because he felt like they didn't go, they left a lot out. And I think I can pretty much see why they left it out after watching it um, and getting all the way to the end. I'm like, okay, it makes sense why they did it that way. But I always respect his opinion. He even went um, and did a live with uh, Brian Glaze Gibbs, who was affiliated with Fat Cat. And, you know, that was around the whole Supreme Team era as well. And they broke down, you know, a lot of stuff that they did like about it or didn't like about it. And, you know, Gully has interviewed multiple people around that genre in that era and glaze was around and affiliated with that crew so i liked it hearing their takes on it because you know they actually know these people they have worked with some of these people and you know so on uh, jamil from gully tv he has done a lot with bimmy and bimmy was you know he ran the supreme team after prince was locked up so you guys should go check out that live it was really interesting and then check out that book as well some things i've been through in that documentary off haitian jack but after uh watching their live it made me more intrigued because i had been as soon as i heard about this docuseries dropping and that Nas was producing it i had been geeked i could not wait and then when i seen they had watched it and uh listened to their recap i was like oh shit so i had to uh checked it out and then when i checked it out for myself i i kind of seen why they went in the direction they did i still think it was a very very good documentary a lot of stuff i already knew um they did leave a lot out and then it was some stuff in there i didn't know one thing i really liked it was hearing prince talk and tell his side of the story and preem talk and tell his side of the story because we always heard it third party but i have shouted out this book so many times it's called uh fat cat 50 cent and queen's reign supreme the rise of the hip-hop hustler and it's by ethan brown now this book goes into detail and when i say detail i mean detail about what was going on in new york in the 80s what was going on with fat cat Cream <clears throat> Prince and then on how it merged into hip hop 50 Cent it has so much in here and then before it gets to the prologue in the beginning of the book it breaks down the players in the game in the 80s and has like a little brief description so I wanted to read um Kenneth Supreme McGriff aka Preem they have him listed as the CEO of the crack dealing crew called the Supreme Team. After his release from prison in 1995, he became a hip-hop entrepreneur who went into business with the Inks Irvin Lorenzo on a straight-to-DVD movie called Crime Partners. And then for Gerald Prince Miller, it has nephew of Kenneth Supreme, McGriff, who ran the Supreme Team while McGriff was in prison. Now, Marie Fat Cats as well, it says Lorenzo Fat Cat Nichols, the most feared and powerful hustler in Southeast Queens. The Nichols organization not only netted millions from the sales of crack, 
cocaine, and heroin, but also supplied competing crews such as the Supreme Team with drugs. And the list goes on. It breaks down all the players in that in that era and what they were about. This book is one of the this book is one of the most fire ass books I have ever read when it comes to that true crime urban genre. This book is it. Um, this is based off police wiretaps. I'm sorry, excuse me. This is based off police wiretapes, um, exclusive interviews with drug kingpins and hip hop insiders. And it's a lot of untold stories in here. So I'm telling y'all, check this book out. Fat Cat, 50 Cent, and the Queens Reigns the Supreme. Um, The Rise of the Hip Hop Hustlers. I bought this about, shit, about seven years ago. Um, I read it twice. Um, Another good book that goes into a lot of um intel and it's mainly in hip hop is that prodigy's book um that prodigy book even if you don't read a lot um his audio book it reads like a fucking movie it reads like a, a fucking movie but anyway let's talk about the show the documentary <clears throat> so this was a three part docu series um the first uh, episode was called the foundation and it opens with Nas narrating, talking about Kenneth McGriff and <clears throat> his nephew, Gerald Prince Miller. This documentary was all about them. <clears throat> and we see, you know, that he received an inmate call on the phone and it was Prince on the phone. <clears throat> and, you know, it kind of, <clears throat> he's t- talking, he's there telling their story over the phone the whole time of the documentary. Money, power, respect, the American dream was the supreme team. They were neighborhood superheroes. They were young, uh, you know, it was a lot of young kids, women, etc. They worshiped them. And we even see LL Cool J in here. And we see that Prince has been incarcerated for 32 years since 1990. It's a long ass time. So we um see early footage of Prince at his birthday party and this was in 1985 and we even see a young LL Cool J in there and one thing about LL he was really around he was he was around it's another book I've read like I said I got all the Hustlers books from the 80s but it's called um shit what is that book called The Last Illy we see it just wasn't like a bad neighborhood, just a full of drug dealings back in the um, you know, mid-70s, early, early 80s. Um, it was a black owned. It it was black owned. Um, it was a black owned construction company who helped build Jamaica Queens, um, which was beautiful. You know, it's good to always show the positive side as well as the negative. They always so quick to show the negative, the hustling, the drug dealings, they know the addicts out there, but they don't never show the positive side. Like it was a, a black owned construction company that built so much in Jamaica, Queens, and you know, it was beautiful. It was um, middle class working families, fathers were at home. So that was good to see, you know, at the beginning before crack came. When crack came, it changed the game nationwide especially in a, especially in the black communities um so we always see the hustling we always see the killing and things of that nature so i was happy to see that they showed that as well being in um queens at that time 
you know, this was around 1973, and they have in the documentary that 1973 was a big year. That was the last time the Knicks won the championship. That's when the Twin Towers were built. That was the birth of hip-hop. That was, you know, everything changing in the world with the Vietnam War. It was just so much in, in 73. And it goes on to tell, you know, what affected Prince at a younger age was a, a little um, 10-year-old boy named Clifford. Glover, who was murdered by a police officer, and um, of course, you know, he, he got off, as they always do, and we see riots came from that, and, you know, Clifford, to this day, he rests in an unmarked grave since 1973, and Prince goes on to say on how it affected him. He said it made some people, you know, while they were out there rioting, want to, you know, it made him feel like a second-class citizen you know, watching a little 10-year-old boy get gunned down like that, nothing happens, you riot, they don't give a damn, it made you feel like a second-class citizen. He said it made some people want to go out there, he'll go riots, be an activist, but it made him say, fuck it, he wants to go in another direction. That's coming from, you know, his words of what he said in here. And I could see how that could affect somebody. Um, we see um, a lot hasn't changed since then, as that type of shit still happens. Even when you go to 2020, you go to the Emmett Till, that type of stuff has been happening for years. And uh, we see that that's what happened in Queens. And I never knew that story of, you know, uh, Clifford Glover. Uh, we see Mr. Black from the Seven Crowns. He was around. They were the Seven Crowns were around before the Supreme Team. They had their own little crew. So we see Mr. Black in there. We see multiple hustlers in here from that time. Um, that was one thing Jamil said he wasn't feeling as well as Bimmy wasn't in here. I do think Bimmy should have been in here. I'm talking about Bimmy in a minute. Um, I love the fact that they introduced um, the world to, cause some people don't know, but in this documentary, how they shed light on the five percenters, the nations of gods and earths, um, you know, have a knowledge of self and most of the Supreme team, they had, they, they were five percenters and, Supreme got his name from somebody named Supreme who had given him the knowledge. So, you know, he took it on, he took his name on as a form of respect. And, you know, he had to hold that name up to high regards because that's who he got his name from, who gave him knowledge itself. So I was so happy that they <clears throat> put that in a documentary because the five percenters is a really big deal in New York. It branched off from the Nation of Islam. Clarence X started it um, shortly after. Malcolm X was killed. Um, I have done a lot of research on that as well. Um, but yeah, I was I know I I had I had already had knowledge that most of the Supreme team were five percenters, and I had even mentioned it when we do our power recaps. And I was like, if you pay attention, look at on how they talk in uh, power raising Canaan. I'm like, they're talking that five percent code, and it's in Jamaica, Queens. I'm like, most of the hustlers, even the book I read with um Shaquem Bio, The Last Illis, he was a five percenter. Most of the guys in New York, they were five percenters, and that all came from Clarence X. So I was happy that they uh implemented, implemented that into this documentary as well um so in this doc this was my first time like i said it was so much stuff in here i knew but it was a lot i didn't know what uh or didn't had never seen a face to it just heard the name so i had been hearing about this notorious hustler 
for years through all the books I've read and everything, the docs, but I had never seen his face. So in his doc was my first time seeing Green Eye Born. I have read about Green Eye Born in a book I just told you guys about in Prodigy's book and so many, even in the last illest, so many books. So I, I finally got to see him like, okay, that's Green Eye Born. So we see his face in there and him and Prem, they both had those green eyes. Um, they show uh, Lorenzo Fat Cat Nichols in here, of course, as they should. They were, you know, two different crews, but very affiliated. And they show um, the notorious pictures of him and his family. They even have footage of him and his sisters getting arrested, which was a big ass organization. So I, like I said, it was certain things in this documentary. I, they did leave a lot out, but I really appreciated seeing certain footage that I had never seen before. Because um, when you read these books, it talks about on how big the Nichols organization was and, and then on how irate his family was when they got arrested and just to see them walking his sisters out and stuff. I'm like, damn, that's shit crazy because I had read so much about it, about Fat Cat and them and when they went down. And I think that they left a lot out uh, because, you know, they have gotten older. People are trying to change their lives. And right now, Fat Cat is trying to get out of prison. He's up um, where he's, you know, going for resentencing. He's up for parole. So he's trying to get out Prince as well. So I think that's why it was very polished. You know, a lot of this shit happened in the 80s. They were very young. Um, Fat Cat was like in his 30s, I believe. Prince was very young and, you know, he had all this time to reflect and change their lives. They might don't have the same way of thinking that they thought 30 years ago. So, of course, a lot of it was polished up and then people trying to come home. So I'm not mad at that. Um, they show uh, the crack epidemic and how it hit Queens heavy, like in 84 and 85. And um. I like the fact that they showed in this documentary on how they ran the team like a real business. Hell, they even had, you know how hustlers, they get this off of this amount, what they sell. No, the Supreme team ran that shit like a business. Preem, he was the businessman, ran it so much like a business that they even had paydays. They got paid on Fridays. It was structured like the Godfather, like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, even when you go and you you listen to Hustlers now and they talk about, you know, when you watch Scarface, Scarface came out in 1983. It was like a commercial for the, um, you know, for the drugs, you know, for cocaine and for that cocaina, you know. But then when you um go into like the 70s, that's how the Godfather was. You know, they they took the movie The Godfather and they fucking structured their team like that. They had the mafia boss, which was the King of Supreme, the underboss, Gerald Prince. They had the soldiers, Bimmy, Green Eye Born, and all of them. So they ran their shit structured. And I always thought myself, Supreme team came from, you know, Kenneth McGriff's name, Supreme, but it came from a record, the world famous Supreme team. So that was really interesting to know because that was something I didn't know as well. That's where the name came from. It came from a song. Um, it shows us the Baisley Park House's apartments. Preen ran all of that structure like a fucking company. You know, like a company. They had uniforms. <laughs> like, they, they was not planned. And um, they even put in there, like, on how the movie New Jack City was, 
that was based off of how the Supreme team ran their shit for real. And I know that they did that in Detroit as well. It was two brothers. I can't think of their name right now, but they was on some New Jack City stuff too. You know, when crack came out, air air all the hustlers nationwide, they had their own the general motor shit going on off crack, you know, like it was booming, but he ran these apartments like a structured company. And um they had they they had paydays. <laughs> so we see um after the crack epidemic in the mid-80s, we see the violent the violence increase. And remember when it first came, the documentary first came on, it said on how you know Queens was like a middle class neighborhood. It was a nice neighborhood. Well, shit, that shit went down quick. As soon as crack hit, you know, you had mothers wives who were looking like zombies you know you had husbands men who worked went to stayed at home and then all of a sudden they're walking the street like crack it was a different type of high and it, it went quick so i like how they um put it on how crack changed the game it was the storm at the right time and in the mafia you had to become you per se a made man to get to a certain level. Like if you in the mob, you gotta be a soldier first, then you gotta work your way up. It's certain rules you have to go ahead. They even have to open up the books before you become an official made man. You can't just go and join the mob, basically. But with the crack game, it was just so easy to be in there. Anybody could be a dealer. So um, we see in the apartments on how they had all of the mailboxes, you know, how all the apartment mailboxes together. And when the mailman would go put the mail in there, it was crack drugs in each um in each mailbox. And one time an off the officer was in a documentary and he was like, hold on. When he seen it, like, hold on, hold it open. And he was like, uh-uh, I ain't finna open shit. I'm about to close this back up. You ain't finna get me killed. So even, you know, saying the mailman, he was so scared. He wouldn't even say anything. He just opened it up. He seen the drugs. He ignored it. He put their mail in and he went on about his merry day. I mean, the shit was really structured. They had all of the mailbox full with, with dope. So as the doc goes on, we see, um, you know, these uh, notorious hustlers, they had so much money and clout, more than celebrities, more than rappers. They were fucking street celebrities off tax-free money. They had more clout. You know, if you go, you know, picture going out now when, who is the biggest rapper now uh, who a lot of the young girls like, uh, what, um, I'm say Dirk. You know what I'm saying? You go to the to the club now. You see Dirk or Drake or something. If they went out back then, the ladies they did not want. You know what I'm saying? The rappers they wanted these men. They wanted these notorious. They these were fucking street celebrities. You know, like Alpo name. The people can say whatever they want about Alpo, but his name still ring bells to this day. They can call him all the rats and all that other bullshit they want to call him, but his name still ring bells. He had that charisma. He had that swag, and he was still a killer. And he could still pull most of the rappers today talking all that stuff. Chicks to this day, like it just was what it was. And that's um well, I don't want to get talking about Albo because that's a whole nother story, but it went on. That was just the um the first part of the documentary, and that one was called The Foundation, and just talking about how it all came together. Um and we're gonna move to part two. Uh, 
something. Yeah, but this was a um this was a really, really good doc. I appreciated it. They like I said, um Jamil was right. They did leave a couple of things out, but I see why they print um up for where he might can get out. So of course we want to see him home. So yeah, this one was called The Foundation. Then we moved on to part two. And this was War and Peace. And we see Judge Sterling Johnson Jr., Eastern District Formal Federal Prosecutor. <laughs> we see him, you know, he went through a lot with the preen team um, back in the 80s. And he was on them so hard. We see even they showed a picture of Carlos Later from the Medellin cartel. They had even put a hit out on him. And he lived in Queens. So that shit was crazy. And um, speaking of the Medellin cartel, Pablo Escobar did used to send some of his Sicarios over to New York. Actually, one of his main hitmen, Lakika. Lakika actually was arrested in New York. When he got... Um, arrested he was arrested in the uh, u.s in the u.s in new york so i can definitely believe that he even sent a hitman to kill um barry seal in uh bad rouge so pablo would definitely send his carios over here so when they had that in there and i seen a picture of carlos later they was like yeah the meddling cartel was after him i'm like oh shit but pablo would send um his carios over here so um we um See, he even goes on to say, you know, because at this time he was a formal prosecutor. Um, he went on to be, you know, the judge. But at this time he was still a prosecutor and he was coming after them heavy. And he was in. He, he was all the way in. He wanted, he was on some Rudy Giuliani stuff. You know, when Rudy Giuliani went after um, the mob, he was on that type of stuff. He, he even said, you know, he lived in Queens. So when he would go get a haircut, he would tell the barber, like, leave me facing the... Um, the door with my gun because when they come we both gonna go out and you know at the end of the day he was he took an oath to protect and serve and be of the law he was doing his job you know some police officers all of them weren't dirty all you know all the judges weren't dirty it was you you need police I don't give a fuck, you know, you, you do need police in your community. You do need to protect and serve your community. So you, um, it's not just no FR police. You know, you had some really good black cops. Actually, somebody from the Supreme team actually went on. I've been um, listening to his interview. He was a soldier in the Supreme team and he went off to join the military. And he actually, when he got out of the military, he was in this documentary too. He actually became a cop. So you do have some good cops out there who um, just want to go and do their job. And I was listening to Sammy the Bull and Michael Franzese who were part, um, you know, they were, Michael Franzese was a captain of the Colombo family, Sammy the Bull, you know, he was the underboss of the Gambino family. And they even say, you need police. And, you know, if the police win fair and square, Heather, they have a job to do. So it's not just no FR police. So civilian, he was a civilian, this man, Judge Sterling Johnson, and he wanted to protect his community. You know, a lot of people were not happy. The crack epidemic, it ruined the black community. It destroyed it. So, you know, you did need people out there to try to protect and serve. And unfortunately, a lot of them did lose their lives as well. If we just going to keep it all the way real, you have a lot of brothers who went incarcerated, been incarcerated since the 80s, were overly charged. But, 
you have a lot of innocent civilians who lost their lives. So, but then when you look at the bigger thing, the bigger picture of it, how did it get over here? What was the reason it got over here? You know, so, you know, you put all this stuff in a young person's hand who never had anything and, you know, only can see Dynasty and Dallas and shit on TV and then they can just get this money like this. They didn't know they were ruining the community. A lot of these boys were young. These hustlers were young, you know. So you have to look at the whole effect of it. You can't just say, oh, they're drug dealers. They have to go to prison or, oh, they did this. It's the grand scheme of things. You have to look at the bigger picture of how did the drugs get over here? We didn't get the planes to go over there and get it, you know. And then when you look at the Contras and all of that, it goes so much deeper. And when you look at the people who brought it over here, where are they at now? And then when you look at the Pablos, the people who were at the cartels what happened to them and then what happened to the black and brown community over here it's, it's, it's the bigger picture of it but anywho we go on and we see the um, it shows how they raided um preems <clears throat> it goes to show on how they raided preems going away um party and um they raided him, took him in, and when they took Prem in, that's when Prince took over. So Prince became the boss when Prem took over. Prem still running shit, would give him orders, but um, Prince was no joke. They, I, I have read that so many times. That's why I was so intrigued hearing his voice and hearing the way he talked, because they say Prince was no joke and he said he would listen to everything Prem had to say except when he said okay that's enough calm down <laughs> but they say Prince was no joke so it shows the raid on Prem and him going away and uh, Prince taking over and it also shows the murder of Edward Byrne the rookie cop which was very very sad um, and you know the murder of Edward Byrne that changed the fucking game and it became so political like it was very very sad it was very very sad but that murder changed the game the murder of Edward Byrne that's when the TNT units were brought in um it became political George Bush when he did his campaign he walked around with his badge um and supreme prince fat cat they actually had nothing to do with it but it became so political that it was no even if you didn't have anything to do with it if you were any type of affiliation if you sold some weed in queens they wanted to bring you down if you were around that era especially if you were affiliated with supreme with fat cat even though they really did supreme didn't have anything to do with that murder Fat Cat didn't even have anything to do with that, you know. So Fat Cat had his own crew. Supreme had his own crew. But, you know, somehow in the eyes of the law, they were all going down for this. This Nothing would ever be the same again. You know, Fat Cat was not a part of the Supreme team. The Supreme team was not a part of the Nichols team. It's just they were affiliated. They were all in the same era. They were all hustlers. Um, you know, a lot of hustlers run together. I don't mean they are part of the same crew, but in the eyes of the law, they was all going down and nothing was ever the same after that. So after that, everything changed. Times were changing. That's when they got the um, bringing in uh, 
you know, the Rudy Giuliani era. He came, he changed the game. He changed the game for New York, period, especially with the mob. Like Rudy Giuliani did not come to play. And, you know, times just got to changing. And that's when they brought out the stop and frisk. And, you know, they had the police having major fucking grudges. Because, you know, what they say, you don't mess with the boys in blue. So once you kill a cop, man. So we see on how it was when they took uh, Prince in. They came and arrested him in the middle of the night. They ramshacked his house. They put holes in the walls. They took him and his wife's mink coats, threw them in a tub, put water all on them, um, held them down and searched the house for five hours. And that was the last night he was out. He has never been out since then. And they had all wire tapes on him. Um, that was in 1990. Now he beat some of those charges. Those were murder charges because on the wiretapes it was placed illegally and it was a state charge. But where they fucked up at, um, it you know with the with the law you can do whatever you want. So the the uh, wiretapes was placed illegally. So what they did by it was a state charge is they took it over and took it to the feds using the same wiretapes and you know the feds have a 98 percent conviction rate and they can use the they can use the wiretapes however they want so that was their way of cleaning up everything and trying to come at them with the rico charge because once that rico charge hit the streets and came after the mob they started using it for everything and they used it for them as well and prince when he went to jail he was in there with the teflon dime mr john Gotti. he said john Gotti was cool because you know they always got something to say about how Gotti, you know was with black people or whatever but he said Gotti showed him mad respect they was cool so he was in there with the teflon dime when he got arrested because you know this is around that juliana era so Prince was sentenced to uh, six concurrent life sentences plus 20 years. And now Prem has been gone. And when uh, Prem was gone, he was up for like eight years. So I remember Prince took over while Supreme was incarcerated. So with Prince going in, Prem is coming out. And when Prem is coming out, the times had changed. Hip hop had taken off <clears throat> you know when they um like before he went in that's when they just had the you know the cool modis the ill ills and <laughs> curtis blows and when by the time he got out everything had changed it had been you know everything had changed it wasn't the 80s no more the 80s was just a different time so we see hip-hop had taken over. All the rappers were referencing him in their rhymes. He was coming out. Prince was going in eight years later. So we get to the third part of the documentary. I really enjoyed this one. Um, I enjoy all three parts. But <clears throat> this one is called Truth and Consequences. And as soon as it come on, who we see? Irv Gotti. <laughs> <laughs> talking about him and Prem's uh, brotherhood and how uh, he offered him to be vice president of Murder, Inc. And you know Irv Gotti. Whenever you hear him talk, he's going to be real animated. I love hearing Irv talk. He cracks me up. He is so animated and one of the best storytellers. But Irv said Prem declined his offer. He offered him so much. And he was like, nah, you know, if I accept your offer i won't be being preen i'll work for you and that's just not me so 
you know, <clears throat> the brothers in the street had so much respect for Prem. They would say, you know, word to Prem, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But when he got out, people really didn't want to look out for him just because of how much respect they had for him. You know, his name did hold high regards like they would say word to bring so you know of course of course you know they were young boys mesmerized looking up to the hustlers and when they get out of course everybody want to look out for cream you know but times had changed and he was you know going into trying to be an entrepreneur he uh i don't care what you say it might not be right of course it's not right selling drugs but a lot of those hustlers organized like on how they were they could run their own fucking CEO. They could be a CEO of their company, the way that they ran some of their drug dealings, you know. But um, now we see with him being locked up in the 80s and coming out in the 90s, that's a culture shock by itself. The 80s was something different, especially for the hustlers. So Herb, he was a DJ. He was from Hollis, Queens. And Let's not get it twisted. In the late 90s, early 2000s, Murder, Inc. was the shit. I know a lot happened with them, but Murder, Inc. was the shit. We're going to give credit where credit is due. Irv was so animated throughout this whole documentary. I just love the way he tells stories. And um, he goes on to say on how he even came up with the name Murder, Inc. was from watching something with the mafia on Lucky Luciano. And once he got the stamp from Ja Rule, like, yeah, Murder, Inc. sound cool. And then, you know, call Hove because him and Hove had a really good relationship. And Hove said it was cool. He knew he was onto something. So, you know what I'm saying? It wouldn't be talking about the Supreme Team documentary if they ain't bring up my main man, 50 Cent, Curtis Jackson. And they brought up the Ghetto Quran song. And... To me, Ghetto Karan is a really, really, really fire song. Like, he's telling the story of Jamaica Queens. You know, Prince was the businessman and Prince, you know what I'm saying? Like, that song go hard, but they bring that up. And this was interesting because I had never heard Prem's side of it. And he said, um, out of his own words, that, you know, it was a lot of prior discussions before the shooting happened. Um, and... You know, now 50 Cent is actually currently in the works of doing something with Bimmy about the Supreme Team. I don't know if that's one of the reasons why he wasn't in a documentary. I, I think that um, I just watched a Bimmy interview and Bimmy was saying Prem don't really talk to him because of his relationship with 50 Cent. But that's going to be interesting. I'm going to see, you know, we support everything 50 do over here. Um on this platform, but I can't, I like listening to Bimmy. Um, I really enjoyed this documentary, listening to Prince and Prem in their own words as well, but it's going to be interesting to see on how they do that um, with Bimmy's story with 50 Cent telling it. I, I know Fifth going to do something authentic. Of course, you know, he, he, this was his neighborhood, but uh, I felt like Bimmy should at least been in here. He was really, a, he was really, a1 he was he was one of the top so i wish he they did have his name in there when they broke broke it down on how you know the structure it was they had his name all through it they showed pictures of him but he wasn't in here but it felt good to see green eye born because i had always wanted to know how he looked like um i had read so much about him and i know for a fact that's one that's one of the problems uh jamil from gully tv had with this documentary he felt like 
Bimmy should have been in here. And that's what him and Glaze was talking about. You guys should really check that um, live stream out. It's on Glaze channel, uh, Brian Glaze Glibs. I think they should have had him in, uh, in here as well. Um, but it shows on how Preen got out and he did a movie, um, and produced it, uh, it has some great people in there. It has some great actors up in there. Snoop Dogg, it has some everybody in there. Um, it was called Crime Partners and it was based off a book and Irv and Hove, you know, they, um, put some money into it. So we see, they bring up, you know, e-money bags, the recording when he was murdered, which stemmed from a car deal. And the car deal went wrong and Black Jess was killed off of that. Um, and, you know, it was payback for that. Black Jess was Cream's right-hand man, very respected. Um, he was one of 50 Cent OGs, one of his mentors. Black Jess looked out for Fifth a lot. And E-Moneybags was a, was a hustler. E-Moneybags, they say, was real official. And if you guys want the story as far as on that side, E-Moneybags was really, really close with Prodigy. And he breaks that down in his book as well. So I'm telling y'all, the books I be reading, that's how I be doing all this shit. <laughs> I just love reading all this stuff. But um, as far as like the E-Moneybags on the, their side, Prodigy really breaks that down. But E-Moneybags, they say, was official. And Black just was official. And when Black just got killed, it was an accident. He wasn't trying to get Black Jess. But anywho, from the murder of E-Money Bags, they showed the shooting on in this documentary. They had the pictures and they had a recording and the tape was left behind. And that's what implemented Preem. Um, Preem's arrest, it was the um, big part of Murder, Inc.'s downfall. And before they took him in, he did have a chance to go see his nephew one last time. So he got to go see Prince and he was brought in on two homicides. And a lot of it was payback, political, for Edward Byrne. They, he, got, they, he got life in prison. And they had frozen all of Murder, Inc.'s assets, had them all tied up in this Fed case as well. So he had to get like, you know... Um, <clears throat> court-appointed lawyer which you know how that should go but um <sighs> Kenneth McGriff's brain he was incarcerated he's been incarcerated since 2002 and I like I said in this documentary I loved hearing Prem and Prince in their own words we had only heard of them through people telling their story so it did um feel good to see that but with the whole black just e-money bags the 50 cent shooting that shit goes so deep and they brought it they did show it in the documentary but a lot of it was polished up and the reason i think it was polished up is because they end up bringing up towards the end of the documentary of the first step act law that was implemented in 2018 so prince can be eligible for release soon so they're just waiting on the supreme court to file that cat was just granted parole. So, of course, they're going to want to, you know, polish it up a bit. So that's why I said I kind of get why they left a lot out and glossed over a lot. Um, the stories are out there. We see Tommy Walker. He used to be in that life as well. And he's changed his life all the way around. And he's helping Prince set up for a resentencing under the first step back law. And 
Prince, uh, the night of that big raid at his house was March 21st, 1990. So he has been gone for a long time. And we have lost a lot of brothers to the penitentiary system. Like I said, yes, some of them did do a lot of crime, a lot of murders, a lot of the destruction of the black community. But it's so much deeper than that. A lot of these men were teenagers at the time. They didn't bring the drugs over here. <laughs> you know, you bring somebody a whole, you bring a kid a whole bunch of candy, what they're going to do, eat it, right? just to simplify it. They brought the shit over here. They dumped it in our communities. People was making money that they would had never seen, never seen their parents, grandparents have. And it did destroy our community. It did, but they didn't do it on their own. And it was a lot of innocent people lost who, lives lost who did had nothing to do with the crack era or drug community. They just might've been innocent bystanders, you know, like we don't want to just downplay it. The, the murder of Edward Byrne was very tragic, you know, but um, the story is just so deep. And from that murder, Supreme, he was like the last one out from that era. And it was like, no, that was payback. I remember watching an interview with Chaz Williams and he was like, you know, a lot of that was payback. And Chaz Williams was official as well. Uh, check out his story. He's from that era as well, Queens. And look at the mayor now in New York. You know, you can change your life around, you know. <laughs> Even when I look at the guy uh, who, like I said, he was a part of the Supreme team, the Supreme team, and he went to go be a cop. What is his name? Hold on, I'm going to tell y'all because he's doing an interview now. And he was in this documentary. Getting his name pulled up. Bear with me, guys. I'm coming. Corey Peggs. Um, he's doing an interview now, and he was in his documentary as well. But it ended with Prince saying he definitely coming back to Queens if they'll have him. <laughs> so, you know, so let's hope that brother get his resentencing and get to get out. I thought this was a very good documentary. Shout out to Nas for doing this shit and keeping it so Queens. They even had some Queens songs up in there. They playing some Mob Deep. So I do have a sleeper for you guys. And I think it's only right if I play a song from one of the goats, Mr. Nasir Jones. He's one of my faves. And where he's talking about the Supreme Team. And I'm going to get you guys out of here. I really enjoyed this documentary. I love true crime. I love the 80s era. I love the, I love talking about this because, like I said, when you get into the snowfalls, the Freeway Rick stories, the Supreme Team, the Fat Cats, the Alpos, you know, when you get into all that shit, it, it was a domino effect with the community. And, you know, some people do glorify it, but it is something to be talked about. It happened. It's a part of history. So I'm like obsessed with stories like this. So I could watch stuff like this all day. You dig? So I got a sleeper for you guys and I get you guys out of here. I hope you guys enjoyed my recap of this Supreme Team three-part docuseries. And here is my sleepers, Memory Lane, Sitting in the Park by Mr. Nas. All right, fuck that shit. Word, word. Fuck that other shit, you know what I'm saying? We gonna do a little something like this, you know what I'm saying? Keep it on and on and on and on and Know 
Shoot that whole booty top. I dropped out of coolie hot. That's the wild cocaine cuba. Jungle survivor. Fuck who's the lava. My man put the battery in my back. A difference from energizer. Sentence begins to dent it. With formality, moderation's infinite. Money has a physiology. Poetry, that's a part of me. Retardedly, Bob. I dropped the ancient man of blessed hip hop. Straight off the block, I reminisce. A walk chance. My man was shot for a sheep coat. Chocolate blessing. Make me see him dropping my weed smoke. It's real cool. I'm a white life. The time's a white line. The high price. Murderous night times. The night fights and white crimes. Chill on the block with cardiac old strap. With my weed that's in the dark money market. It's a rap. No sign of a beast. And a price law. I guess that means peace. For niggas, no shice device. Till this Joe Button style. Shout out to the motherfucker Pie Father Joey. That was Memory Lane sitting in the park by Nas. Shout out to Nas for putting this thing together. Um, this was a really great documentary. Um, if you didn't know a lot, you this was good for you. I I I, I knew a lot because I like this is my genre. I love stuff like this. So I had read the books, read a lot of documentaries, watched a lot of you know, interviews from notorious hustlers. So I had knew a lot, but some stuff I didn't know. But one thing I did love and appreciate it. I love that Nas produced it. He's from Queens. I loved hearing Preem in his own voice. Uh Prince in his own voice. I love seeing Green Eye Born in there. I love learning where the Supreme Team name came from. It was a lot of good things in there. And I love seeing some of the real footage of like different things with the Nichols organization. Like I had read about it, seeing 
clips on it, but never seen the footages of it. I had only seen like pictures. Um, so yeah, it was a really, really good documentary. I enjoyed it. I hope you guys check it out. And if you know, don't have Showtime and haven't had a chance to check it out, I hope you guys enjoyed this recap. I won't be on for another week. And I'll be when I do come back, uh, we will continue our Mafia Marathon and we're going to do Casino and Bugsy. But for now, you guys got time to catch up on my Gotti recap. My uh, Donnie Brasco, Goodfellas in the Fear City. Power comes back August 14th. I was supposed to start back recapping Cruel Summer, but it has not dropped out yet. Um, so when our shows um, get to coming back, we'll start doing our weekly recaps again. But as for now, we're doing our Mafia Marathon. And if you guys have any recaps, don't forget, you can always hit me up and I will be happy to check out your request and get your recap out. So on that note, I hope you guys are enjoying your summer, keeping them positive vibes, protecting your energy, you know, just enjoying yourselves. Life's too short. Just try to stay up. Try to look at the bigger picture and the best out of every situation you can. It's a lot of shit going on. Try to keep your, try to, try to stay up. Try to stay up. Try to keep them vibes up. Thank you for your support. I love my podcast family. You guys are dope. Thank you guys for holding me down. I will be um, back in a week. And it's your girl, Shanice, and I'm out. Hope you enjoyed the show with your girl, Shanice.